0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com. Please stand for the reading of 1 Corinthians 15, 50-58. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory." Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Welcome to the Burbank location of Story City Church. Uh, we're so excited to have you this morning. And my name is Justin. I'm one of our directors here, and, uh, and I have the privilege to be able to speak and share in God's word with you today. This is, this is God's spoken word, and it should be something that excites us. It should be something that we, that we anchor ourselves in and so as the word was just spoken, as we try and dive deep, there should be, and, and and maybe even in a moment, we can we can just bring it to the forefront of an excitement to get into God's word. There's an excitement because it is God revealing Himself in an inerrant way, in a, an inspired way, that we know that God that this word is true. And if it's true, then God has spoken. And there's something exciting to be able to go through his word. For the last few months, we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians in a series called Aligning with God's Heart 4. And in one bittersweet moment, we're excited this morning because it's the last of the series. And in one area where it's bittersweet because we're like, oh man, 1 Corinthians is over. I don't know how many of you are actually in the bittersweet part. You're like, yeah, it's over. <laughs> What's next? And so, but we're but we're, we've been going through 1 Corinthians, and we've been doing so because we've been pursuing to align our hearts with God through a myriad of different topics revealed through Scripture. We take a look at, we've been taking a look at 1 Corinthians because the church in Corinth, specifically as it is a church that was in a city that looked a lot like ours, is very applicable to what we go through and what we're trying to live out. As it is with church, there's a lot of different people here this morning. Some of you have grown up in the church. Some of you are are in in the processing of what it means to have God in your life. And some of you are, are seeking or just trying to check something out. I believe that God has something special to say to each and every single one of us this morning. And the first thing that he wants you to know is that he sees you and he loves you. Listen to me, if you haven't heard it in a while, you are loved. I don't know what you're carrying right now. I don't know what pain you might be experiencing. I don't know what you're struggling with, but what I do know is you're not alone and you are loved. Can you do me a favor? Just turn to the person next to you. And would you just let them know that you're not alone? <laughs> My friends, let's, let's get into the word of God. Would you open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm really excited. This is the first morning I'm reading out of this specific Bible because I got an old man Bible with large print. So that I could see it up here with the lighting. Because normally I'm like, what does that say? Um, you know, over 30 hits hard. Um, but hey, let's jump in. Let's jump in. 1 Let, Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to go a little bit like section by section. I know that we just read the whole thing. But I want to focus in on just a few verses here. 50 through 53. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is, is this. Okay, so even just taking a moment there. Like this guy's writing a letter. And I know it's taken us months to go through this thing as we pause and we dissect and as we go a little bit deep. But, like, it was just a letter. Somebody would have sat down and they would have read it and then they would have gone back and taught it for sure. But, like, so he's just summarizing, like, just think about this. Past months for us. The past months of reading this, looking at what does this mean? How does it apply? And right here in this verse, he's taking a stop to say, guys, what I'm saying is This. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, as at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. As we look at this, things right now are not as they ought to be. Things right now are not as they ought to be. The incorruptible is going to waste away. And in the twinkling of an eye, there's there, a new change, a new body, a new flesh the incorruptible will become incorruptible, will become immortal. The, and as we look at this world, all these things to be said, we are in a decaying world. A world that, that sin has invaded. And as Paul is writing and he's drawing to this tension, he's saying, things are not as they ought to be. Have you ever woken up and only one side of your nose was, was stuffed? It honestly is in the top five most annoying things for me in my life. Like, woe is me. And, uh, but it is, oh, it gets me. And I hate it. You just wake up and like one nostril, it's like clear as day. One's backed up like the five. Like, you're just like, (laughs) what is going on? And it always freaks you out for a moment because God forbid it's accompanied with like a dry throat. Because now you're putting symptoms together and you're wondering, was it because my fan was on high last night and I'm just dried out? Or am I sick? Am I getting sick? Right? There's always like a a period of trying to figure it out. Things, you wake up and you know things are not as they ought to be. What does this mean for me? In that same aspect, as we look at sin in this world, as we look at the fallen state of this world, as we experience things even like sickness or when something tra- when tragedy hits, when we experience pain, whether physical or emotional pain, one of the first things that signals for us is, this isn't supposed to be like this. Which then, a logical conclusion would be, there is something else. There is a way that it ought to be. If this is how it's not supposed to be, there is something that, that should be. And Paul is drawing us to reveal to us that this earth and this corruptibility of our flesh and what we're experiencing is not what's supposed to be. There is an eternal life. There is a final restoration. There is God's full kingdom. And you will, and we will, those who are in Jesus, those who abide and those who step into and receive and die with Christ on the cross, also get to join him in the resurrection of immortality. To have a life and a life abundant in these verses, Paul is writing and acknowledges that things are not as they should be, but one day they will be you know it 's tough knowing that this is that life is not as it should be, and to be honest, we all cope with that truth a little different. Those who uh, have a spiritual faith, spiritual background, and those that do not, we all kind of wrestle with what it, what that means what is my purpose if, if if the world isn't as it's supposed to be if there are trials then what am i supposed to do in this world it's almost a, it's there's an aspect of it that is true it is a coping mechanism because otherwise we just wallow in the hurt and we wallow in the pain that is life isn't as it ought to be but in order to survive i have to keep moving forward i have to keep going so what is my purpose And a shameless plug is that next week, Eric Grooms is going to deliver one of the greatest sermons that you have ever heard on purpose. So do not miss next week. But the truth is, we all struggle in our mortal flesh for motivation. But Paul says, because of what Christ did on the cross, we do not have to be disheartened for our life because it is not in vain. The proof of the resurrection shows us that he is good now and that there's more of it to come. There's more of it to come. Just as as Jared shared last week in the message, Paul says if if the resurrection is not true, then we are foolish. We above all are the most foolish because we have put our faith into something that is not true. But the resurrection is true. The evidence of the resurrection is there; it is true, and that is why we stand. Because and our work is not in vain. Because the truth is, the resurrection took place, and there is a and there is a hope in the furtherance of that resurrection for all. So we continue in these verses. Let's take a look at verses fifty-four through fifty-seven when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. And we love these words. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory. Where death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you guys all shout, amen. Amen. Yeah, there we go. We're getting there. My friends, look at me for a moment and hear me when I say this. God's victory is here. It is now. It's not waiting for the moment that you die. Death has already lost its sting. It means that we don't wait for for death, for these truths to become real to us. It's not a hope that when I die, I get to go to heaven, although that's been a motivation for a lot of evangelists. It's the fact that because there is no death that will bind us forever, but that we have life forever, it changes how we live now. God's victory is now. We do not fear death when we die. We do not fear death while we are alive. We do not fear death right now. We live for Christ, and we live for his kingdom. So with that, if that is true, and if that is in our mind, and if that, if that fills us to go, okay, well then how do I live? If these truths are real for me, what, what then am I filled with, and how do I display Let's anchor ourselves, and this is where we'll be for the rest of this morning, is verse 58. If you haven't opened up your Bibles yet, and you've just been like, "Ah, eh, Justin, we'll say it, I, I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles, whatever form that is in. Physical Bible, your phone Bible, Safari, I don't care. Get the Word of God in front of you as we read these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. My friends, if you're taking notes or even if you haven't taken notes so far, if you're gonna remember anything, I want you to write this down. Live for the final restoration. Live for the final restoration. Steadfast, immovable, excelling in the Lord's work. Live for the final restoration. Let's take a look at these words. There's three words as you look at verse 58. If you've got your Bibles with you or the app and you can highlight, you can underline, you can throw notes into the certain sections, I want you to highlight or underline these words, steadfast, immovable, and excelling. Highlight, underline, steadfast, immovable, excelling. This word steadfast in the original language is hedrayos. It means firm, set, or fixed on purpose. You know, we break down, and I like to break down uh, these words, not because uh, the, the original language somehow is more holy or means more. It's that, just like in our current language, some words, they're umbrella words depending on a context. And so the more we dig, we can actually see within context what it's, what, what it's meaning for its purpose. And so, uh, so as we do that, we can see within context as we look at this, this word steadfast. There's, there's, it can be easy to go be subjective with this, with this word steadfast. Well, I think it means this. But as we break it down and we put it into context, it draws out more the way that steadfast gets used here, which is going to help us understand then how do we live this out? How do we understand it? How do we apply it? So when he says, be steadfast, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, what he's saying here is live on purpose for Christ. Steadfast means firm, set, fixed on purpose. So, if you're taking notes, if you're following along with me, write this down. Live on purpose for Christ. Purpose. See, we need a purpose, and that purpose is to abide in a deep, abiding relationship with the Father. When I think of this steadfastness, this fixed on purpose, I think of this old movie, okay? Maybe some of you guys have seen it. Now, hear me, I say old because it was in 2003, and still to this day, I refuse to say anything pre-2000 is old, but like 2003, that's 20 years ago. My friends, we're old. A lot of us are old. Okay, so this movie is not, it's the movie Biker Boys. Has anybody seen it? Probably not. Few of us. There we go. Let's go. All right. It's the movie Biker Boys. Now, it's about, uh, this movie is about some biker clubs who race. Now, I have to make this caveat, because I know Jared is watching live, and it has to do with biker clubs, and I feel like I'm going to get in trouble with him on how I describe this film in the biker club community, but here's the deal. I don't know that community, and so I'm just going to get in trouble, because the, all I can speak of was a 15-year-old Justin watched this movie, loved it, and I'm recalling from a 15-year-old self. So this movie, Biker Boys, is, uh, it's, it's about these biker clubs who race. And there's this older guy there that's played by Lawrence Fishburne. Now some of you guys are like, oh, credit, I'll go watch it. It might be good. Um, but he, but he runs, his character runs the most established club. And he's probably the best racer, the best rider that there is out there. He's the guy to beat. And so the story goes that there's this young and upcoming hotshot uh, rider uh, played by Derek Luke. And, and he, this guy's working his way up through clubs to become the best. But of course, one of the main issues with this young hotshot is that he, he cares how he looks, he cares what people think of him, and that affects his, his, his driving, his riding, his racing, right? And so there's a couple shots, and this is what I love about this film, sticks out to me so vivid, that there's moments in, the, in these scenes where the, as this guy's maturing and growing, the thing that makes Lawrence Fishburne's character a great racer, and what Derek Luke learns is to cast. Out these distractions to be fixed on purpose, and the way that they do this is they're like at the starting line on their bikes, and then all of a sudden they get tunnel vision. And like, it's not just like people disappear. The, the, the way that they, that they do this is like everything gets blurry around and it's full on tunnel vision. And the only thing that's clear for them is the road ahead and the finish line. And I just remember as a kid seeing this and this hyper-focus as if it was something that 15-year-old Justin could unlock. 15-year-old Justin who like was always trying to figure out how much Adderall to take or Ritalin to take because my, everybody was trying to figure out this AD, ADD, ADHD thing. And, uh, and so I'm like, if I could just like, tap into this focus, that'd be incredible. So, like, on the sports field, as I played football, I would be like, "Mm, tunnel vision, and (laughs) as if it would unlock some supernatural, like, ability in me to be better, and, uh, but that, I remember that scene, and of course, movies have done this in a lot of other areas, where they make crowds disappear, and things like that. My, (laughs) what is it? west side story uh the uh the one that that comes to mind for me that's more i guess relevant because of the day not because of the movie is cars because i have to i have to i watch that movie like over and over and over with my two-year-old and lightning McQueen does the same thing and so it's nothing special about that movie but i just remember that had an impact on me and that's what i that's what i think of when i hear these words about focus that to be steadfast is to live on purpose, to have this focus. You see, this isn't new. John fifteen three through five says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Your purpose is not of your own. The purpose is not what you can muster, how well you can perform. To live on purpose, it's a fixed purpose, is to be anchored, is to be rooted, is to be singularly focused on Christ. Christ. This is the life. uh, Fellow believers in Christ, those who who are apprenticing Jesus, who are, are trying to live every day to be a disciple of Jesus, those who are wondering, what does it mean to live out and be a disciple and an apprentice of Jesus? It's to be steadfast, fixed on purpose, and there's only one thing that is seen, and that is the road to Christ. It is the road to live because that's why he's called, I am the way the truth, and the life. It's the path. It's what's to be focused on. It's what to have purpose on. Live on purpose for Christ. And we need to take it serious. We need to take this serious. I'm a full-time minister, and, and I need to take it more serious. The enemy doesn't want us to. The enemy fills our life with distractions, with things to make us not care, to not be on purpose, and somehow has fooled us to think sometimes that to actually put a God filter on, to think, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus' heart be in this situation? As if that's something like, well, I just can't think about Jesus every second of every day of my life. As if it's hard. The enemy has sown that lie. So deeply in us. Because we're to live on purpose and be steadfast on one sole purpose. And that is Jesus and his way and his life. In my, one of my favorite books, Abide in Christ, Andrew Murray says, What is of even greater importance is the cultivation of a trustful disposition toward God. The habit of always thinking of him, of his ways and his works with with bright confiding hopefulness in such soil alone can the individual promises strike root and grow up my friends be fixed on jesus live on purpose i have a discipleship group that meets every saturday morning just to do life together and one of the things that these young men in this life group have committed themselves to is the memorization of john 15:1 through 15 and man, I'll tell you what, scripture memorization freaked a lot of them out. They're like, how much scripture? And, uh, and if you were to ask them today, most of them would probably tell you, it still freaks them out. <laughs> and every, every week we come together and we just share that scripture and how far we've come in memorizing it. And I'm proud to say yesterday, they killed it. They killed it. They, they, they just were speaking it so fluently and helping one another along One of the hardest lessons to learn was that it was never about the performance of the memorization. How well and how perfect can you recite every word that's in there and make sure the context is right and have everything ironed out exactly as it says. It was so hard inside of this this thought of I have to do Scripture memorization that I have to be perfect. It's about the performance of Scripture memorization. And one of the hardest lessons to learn is that it wasn't about the performance. It's always about the habits it takes to memorize that much Scripture. It was about the habit of every single day sitting before this portion of Scripture and allowing it to take root on the heart in a way that then one could just recite it. It was how much work it took into not just performing because it's not just a, okay, this week perform and you get a grade and then we're moving on. It's every single week, ironing sharpened iron to sit before another and just to share God's word that has been constantly been shared for the last months. It's about the habit. Being fixed on purpose is being st- to be steadfast, is not to be, how well can I perform Jesus? It's how well can I be fixed on Jesus? How much can I be focused on the way of Jesus? As we move forward into this verse, past to steadfast, we reach the word immovable. Amitaka, I tried to say this word so much. Can you guys see it on the screen? Get to that word uh, that I'm trying to say. Get the definition of immovable. Look at that word. Uh, I can't, I was doing so well this morning. can't do it now. So we're going to move forward. But this means to be moved, firmly persistent. Immovable means to, to not be moved and firmly persistent. So if you're following along and you're taking notes, live persistent in the gospel. Live persistent in the gospel. My friends, if there's a place for us to be rooted, to not be moved from and firmly persistent in, it's right here. Be rooted. And I understand that this kind of language, this be immovable in the word of God, I understand that for some, there can be some negative connotation that comes along with it because how people have used these truths as an offensive weapon to to cause harm to others and maybe even yourself. So let me make sure... uh, to, to say this, then that is that this sermon is not about how the church needs to take a stand against culture. Do not take that away. This is just me, a believer in Jesus, looking at the Word of God and seeing the truth that every believer needs to be immovable in the gospel. In our individual lives, in our collective lives, if there's a space where we're gonna take a stand and be rooted and be immovable, It is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our lives should be shaped and transformed by this word, and nothing should move us from it. So to help illustrate this, I'm going to ask uh, two of my friends to come up here. And so Stephen, Danny, you guys want to come up? I'm going to try and move this here for a second out of the way so we can all see. All right. I told them that I I did not tell them what they were going to do uh, because I thought it would be more fun for them to find out as we find out. So stand here and face each other. So here's, here's what I want. Okay. You guys go ahead and put your hands forward, interlock fingers. Yeah, there we go. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Danny, I want you and, and Steven, I want you to try, I want you to try and move Steven. Okay. You're going to move him backwards. Don't give ground. But here's the thing. You're, you cannot move forward. You're to be immovable. You cannot put any force forward. You have to just stand where you're at and not be moved by Danny. So, so like, think up. <laughs> what? Can I move my feet no. You can move your feet, but you cannot push forward. Oh, okay, At all. No forward momentum. Okay, let's see how this works. Are ready? Set. Go. Don't move forward. <laughs> Danny, move them. Danny, you're allowed to move forward. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. I was like, why isn't this working? Danny's not moving. Okay, all right. good job. All right, all right. That, all right. Once you figured that out, it's pretty easy, right? Okay, all right. We already, this just got demonstrated, but we're going to try this now. Okay, go and do it again. Okay, you're allowed to move forward, but be immovable. Okay, now go. <laughs> Danny, move him. <laughs> all right, good job, guys. Good job, good job, good job. <laughs> yeah, round of applause. Oh, thank you. You're so, good job. (laughs) So here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we understand to be immovable as something that is passive, well, if I just know, and if I just become anchored, if I become rooted in this space, I can, I will not be moved. But the truth is there's no passivity in in immovability. In order to be, in order to be immovable, one has to be persistent, there, is, there has to be action. It requires a lot of action to be immovable. You need force going, going forward. Matthew 7, Jesus would say this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Immovability. What is the rock in this? The rock is his word. The rock is his word. He For everyone who hears these words of mine, the rock is the foundation, the rock is his word. And what does the wise man do? He does it. He lives out the word. For everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. There's a lot of us who have, who have been fooled to think immovability in the gospel is just to know the gospel. To be able to perform scripture memorization. To perform acts and deeds. Well, I attend, Look at my church attendance. I'm immovable. Jesus is my number one priority. It's not enough to hear God's word. You have to live it out. The foolish, and guys, let me, let me be real. There's a lot of areas in my life that I've been foolish. But to be persistent, to be focused, to be steadfast, to be immovable, is to hear God's word and do it. It takes action. So let's, let's move forward into this excelling. There's been steadfastness. There's been movability. And as it says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work. Excelling is the word peresuo, meaning abound, abundant, overflow, exceed abundance. So here's your next takeaway. Live in God's providence. I needed a P word. Otherwise, I would have used abundance. But it's been, it's been all P words moving forward. So I used to live in God's providence. But it's to be in abundance, to live in God's abundance, to live in his providence, his continual provision, his unloading of provision, not just to meet needs, but go above and beyond, abundantly providing, which is providence. So what is this Lord's work? Well, we know love God, love others, but that can be subjective without context. Well, how do I love God, and how do I love others? I think it's this, and we see it displayed amongst denominations and, and church cultures. Well, this is how we love God, and this is how we love others, and I think you're wrong by doing that, and I think you're wrong by doing this, and you're getting it right here. And there's, it's, it can be subjective in a lot of ways. Uh, so without context, it, it's difficult. So where do we get context? For sure, the entirety of the word of God provides us context. But as we look at this particular passage and we hear these words, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your work, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Where do we get the context for to to be steadfast, immovable, and excel in the Lord's work? Where do we get that context? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because that's the book that it's written in. So, if we want to be people, a people who are steadfast, who are immovable, who are excelling in the Lord's work, we cannot just move on from the series with our lives and say, that was a series we did once. It's something for us to sit in and to be steadfast in. It's something for us to be immovable in. And look... Originally, I was like, man, I really want to recap this series. It's been a long time, and I want to do a message that just really well just recaps the whole thing. But there's like over 15 weeks in this thing. And so here's the deal. Here's some some of the things that we've learned from this. A healthy life is an abundant life in Christ. Healthy gospel identity is is as a beloved child of God. A healthy gospel community requires healthy accountability. God's truth allows us to be honest because God cares about our feelings and desires. A healthy marriage is meant to mirror Jesus. As apprentices, we must be undistractedly devoted to Jesus. We are to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And because we live within the gospel, we must live out the gospel. As beloved children of God, we must look to the Father. And true love creates value. God gives us words to build others up. The gospel is our hope because of the resurrection. These are all words and truths that we have seen through the book of 1 Corinthians. These are are the actions that we are to be steadfast, to be immovable in, and to excel in. And if you've gotten lost or if you've joined us midway, you can go back and you can hear, like maybe you heard something that was like, oh yeah, that was a good message. I liked how they, did, how they broke that down. I learned a lot that week. Go back and watch it and master it and be steadfast and immovable in it and excel in the work of the Lord. Or just continue to read 1 Corinthians because that's all we've been doing. Align your heart with God. Excel in the pursuit of these. And if you, want to know, if you want to know the secret, abide in Christ. Excel in the work of the Lord that he is doing. And here's the deal. You're a subject of that work. God is doing a work in, with, and through you. You are a subject of that work. And so you will be sustained in that work by God. My friends, the work of the Lord is his and we get to participate in it. That's the beauty of this work. Too many of us have received the work of the Lord. And in response have said, okay, I got it from here. Instead of remaining in his work. Abide and remain in him. And, uh, for a lot of us, for a lot of us as we look at God as he pours out his life. And as we seek God to say, God, give me more of you. There's a handful of us who are living this life of trying to take in more God, as if we're in that early 20s lifestyle, where you fill up your gas tank based off of how much money you have. Fill up the tank, and you just try because you're just trying to get from point A to point B, and you're just trying to get to the next thing. And I, I think that this is enough to get you start getting the I think this is enough to get me through the day. I think I put enough gallons in there to get me from here to there. Imagine imagine being able to go back to your early 20s. Maybe it was as a teenager, your first car, the first time you got a license, you were responsible for your own gas. You didn't have to ask mom or dad to fill up the tank or just siphon off of what they last did, right? What would it look like for your lifestyle to be able to go back then and be able to start every day with a full tank, it might go from as an early teen or early 20s. It may go from the questions of imagining, man, I think I can get to this place today. I hope I can get there. Can somebody else drive? I don't know if I'm going to make it. Would somebody mind chipping in for gas? To if, Imagine if we were able to start. If you, as, as that young person, gets into that car with a full tank of gas, the question isn't, where can I, how, how can I get there? The question is, where are we going? Guys, I got a full tank of gas. Guys, let's go. Today's the day we're doing the road trip. We're going up the, the Pacific Northwest. We're going across country. I got a full tank of gas, and I can do anything. As we live our life with God, as we're trying to be steadfast, immovable, and excel in his work, There are some of us that are still trying to live that early 20s lifestyle of just going, give me enough of God so I can get from point A to point B. There are some of us who are just trying to survive. But see, to live in God's daily provision... To live in an abiding relationship. This excelling. It's the abundance of his work. Excel in the work that the Lord is doing. Not excel in the work that you're doing. So God's already doing this work. And if this word is this providence of God, it's this abundance, it means that God is overflowing and pouring out more than we could ever give and display. We are taking in every single day. As Jesus would say at the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about tomorrow. For that is the Lord who's going to provide. So every day as we abide and as we sit in his providence, as we sit in his excellence, and God fills us and we choose to join in that work, we now join in his excellence. So if you're going to be excellent in anything, sit in the abundance of God. Sit in the abundance of God. Abide in his abundance. You guys, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to the full. Live for your final restoration. We don't do this in vain. Do not get disheartened as you see this world passing by because we are not like the rest of the world. We have joined Christ in his resurrection. Live for the restoration now. Live for that final restoration. Live on purpose for Christ. Live persistent in the gospel. Live in God's providence. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you continually provide. God, I thank you that you first chose us, and that what we get to do is abide in your continued work. God, help us be steadfast. Help us be fixed on you. I think of those words of a father who loved his daughter dearly when he when he asked you, "Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief." God, help us in our steadfastness to to be focused on you and to pursue you. God, help us be immovable. There are times that we feel weak. There are times that we feel like we can't go any further. God, it's those moments that we lean into the words of Paul that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God, help us be immovable. Help us push forward for your gospel Help us excel in the work that you're continuing to do. Help us excel in your kingdom coming. Help us pray every day your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Lord, help us live this out. To live for that final restoration. Steadfast, immovable selling in your work. Pray these things in your holy name. Amen. What you stand as-